few passages. There was a, um, a news article not that long ago of a, um, a British girl. I don't know if you saw it. Um, she was um, dying. She was only 14 years old and she was uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a quite a bit of a struggle. And uh, she ended up deciding to try to um, uh, prolong her life by being frozen. And uh, because she's only 14 and not an adult, and her parents were obviously unhappy with that. She actually went to court herself and finally got, um, I'm not quite sure what the wording is, but, but uh, permission or you know, the right to, to have herself frozen at 14. And it was a bit of a sad case in one sense, and I, I don't want in any way sort of take away from how sad it would have been for parents to be trying to cope with losing their 14-year-old daughter, uh, but at the same time dealing with her, her need to want to see it go on. And what struck me at the time was there's right through through history there's kind of there's God's way and then there's mankind's way isn't there now God has a way and he says I want to give you eternal life live forever but as human beings, we, we tend to sort of look for alternatives I like, don't want to believe in God so I'm going to look for something different and the whole um, uh, cryotechnology thing and, uh, uh, is, is, is kind of out there at the moment. And, uh, you know, you can uh, be frozen uh, at a cost. Uh, you know, I think currently, uh, you know, you can do, you've certainly been able to do it since um, probably about the 70s in the USA. I think Walt Disney got frozen and so on. No, he did frozen, didn't he? I'm sorry. Uh, little joke there. No, he got frozen. He got frozen. Cryogenically preserved, if that's the term. And um, so it's been available in America for quite a long time now. And uh, uh, you can either get your whole body done, you know, kind of you know, full body, you know, icy pole thing happening. Or if you want, you can just get your head sawn off and while it's still alive, get that frozen. Uh, and uh, the idea being that they believe that sometime in the future you'll be able to stitch your head back onto someone else's body, you know, just borrow a body somewhere that someone's not using and get it stitched back on. And of course it opens up a, 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 you know, a plethora of, of dilemmas and problems and issues and uh, ethical matters that sort of trouble people and so on. Well, what if, you know, how can you pay? I mean, do you, the cost you, I don't know what the current cost is. Anyone know the current cost? But it was, um, it was 100 grand for your whole body and the discount price was 70 grand just for your head. Okay, so... There's a saving, isn't it? I mean, when you're, when you're about to get frozen, you want to save every penny you've got, don't you? But the ethical issues of what about if the company goes bust? What about if there's a, a power failure which somehow affects everything? I mean, it's all good and well. I mean, Fukushima Power Station had three backup systems, all of which failed and ended up spewing radioactive material all through the Pacific Ocean. In fact, I would not eat salmon caught in Canada anymore, by the way. I did. Anyone see the plume of where the radioactivity went? It went right round the north, past Japan, past the Bering Straits, down 
the Alaskan coast, the Canadian coast, and it's now right down past uh, California. Uh, it's, it's just a complete mess, complete and utter mess. Boy, we really have made an awful mess of that. Anyway, but that's another issue for another day. The Bible talks about the end of the world associated with very complex issues that can no longer be resolved, you know, scientific and, uh, you know, um, ecological type issues and so forth. So I figure we're somewhere near the end of the world for lots of different reasons. But um, actually, how did I get onto that? Got nothing to do with the price of fish. <laughs> What were we talking about? Oh, that's right, getting frozen. Frozen, that's right. Oh, Walt Disney, frozen. Um, and, of course, the, uh, I noticed recently the Russians are now in the market and they're offering a cut price service to get yourself frozen. <laughs> Comrade, um, not guaranteeing very lot, but uh, you should be all right. <laughs> you know? uh, but as, as I say, all sorts of issues, whether it's power stations failing, oh, that was the Fukushima thing, that's right, or whether it's companies going bust, whether it's taxation regimes in the future, who's to know what might happen in 100 years or 500 years' time? Nobody knows. And who's to know whether they'll actually ever be able to sort of reattach a head to a body or, or bring a body back to, um, to life again? It is a completely untested theory in terms of human beings. To do it, to put your 100 grand in you have to have an enormous amount of faith. Isn't it funny? All the stuff that human beings think, which is an alternative to God, actually still relies on faith. You've got to have faith in the company, faith in the technology, faith in the future of the technology. And don't get me wrong, it, it may well work one day. I don't know. I'm no you know, futurologist. But what I find intriguing is people are prepared to put their faith in something which is unproven, technically unproven. They've never defrosted one of these guys and checked out how they're doing, to my knowledge. Anyone know otherwise? To my knowledge, they've never defrosted one, you know, even by accident, if you know what I mean. I mean, what would you do? You'd just turn the fridge back on, wouldn't you? Uh, freeze them up again. Who's to know? No one's noticing. Um, let's go to a scripture so that you don't think I don't use the Bible. Psalm 90, back in the Old Testament here. Psalm 90. And I've just got a few verses for you tonight. Psalm 90. And down in verse, um, uh, verse 9, yes, that'll do. Just a couple of verses here. Verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath, we spend our years as a tally that is told. Tally there is the old-fashioned way of spelling tally. Uh, in other words, the sum or the total. Uh, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength uh, labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now you're reading from a book of the Bible that was written about 1000 BC. King David and a few others wrote it, but basically 1040 or so BC. This book was written back in the time of uh, no, no, no medic medicines that we know of were in that sense were available back in that era. Uh, they didn't have access to uh, immunization techniques or any other medical issues. Uh, 3,000 years later, we were able to immunize and care for people. There are hospitals, there are doctors, there are specialists. There are CAT scans and X-rays and uh, you know radio nuclear technology. There's um, all sorts of, uh, I won't say cures necessarily, but all sorts of treatments for just about every problem under the sun. 
And guess how long we live? About the same. After 3,000 years and billions and billions and billions of dollars later, that there three score years and 10 means 70. The four score means 80. The average age of uh, average lifespan of an Australian at the moment, and Australians are actually amongst the top in the world, by the way. The average lifespan at the moment, who knows what it is for a woman at the moment? 84. That's the most recent one, 84. Uh, and for a man, who knows the average lifespan for a man at the moment in Australia? 81. It's exactly right. 81 and 84. So hang on. 3,000 years later, billions and billions of dollars and scientific research and all the rest of it. I'm not rubbishing, by the way, that. I'm just pointing out to you, nothing has actually changed. People still live and die at about 70 or 80 years. Now, when I was a kid, by the way, why is my phone going? Someone ringing me or something. Excuse me, just one second. Yes, hello? <laughs> no. I'm only joking. I don't know how to turn this off. Oh, that'll do. I should never have gotten a mobile phone. I don't know why I got one. Um, all it does is ring. Um, so 70 or 80 years, it just seems incongruous that we are so far down the track and uh, we're just doing the same as what they're doing 3,000 years ago. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and yet that is, and at the same time, what we've done is we've, as I say, we've gotten into this cryo uh, technique of preserving people, hoping that we might be able to do something with that. I've no doubt, by the way, that later on what they'll do is they'll start extracting your DNA and saying, well, we'll make one of you, we'll put your DNA in some human body in the future and make another one of you with a really good looking body this time, you know, or maybe put your DNA in a, I don't know, a dog or something. I don't know how, you, how that was going to, all going to work. But, but you see what I'm sort of saying. They'll think of all sorts of other ideas. This will just be the beginning. Freezing people, that's just the beginning. Uh, but it actually is not solving the problem. And you need more faith than trusting in God to believe it's going to work. Uh, over again to another passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, up in the New Testament this time. Now, the Bible teaches us very plainly that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. As human beings, the Bible teaches us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. It says we were born in iniquity. We were conceived in sin. We were in, this, in, the, in, the, in the sinful nature from the day we, of conception. And from then on, it just kind of got worse. And the Bible teaches us, well, because you're a sinner, the end result of being a sinner is you're going to die. Uh, God, on the other hand, doesn't sin. It says God dwelleth, in eternity. The Bible talks about uh, being able to approach, not being able to approach under the God that dwelleth in light, uh, an expression way back in the Bible. And we sort of get a bit of an idea what that means now. But 1 Peter chapter 1 warns us here in verse 24, uh, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which uh, uh, by the gospel is preached unto you. And uh, Peter is reminding the early Christians here, he says, he quotes this out of, I think it's Isaiah from memory, and he quotes this principle that all humanity is just like grass. That's all we are. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of five foot, ten inch, whatever we are, tall grass. And uh, the, uh, uh, the good news is, 
that it takes one year for the, the celestial lawnmower to make its rounds. The bad news is that you only get 70 rounds and then you've got to go, or 80. 70 or 80 years, because like grass, it just grows up and then it's just cut down. And he says, all the glory of man is like the flower of grass. In other words, all the things that people do in life that are impressive and, and uh, you know, attract a lot of attention and maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, prestige and fame and what have you, maybe some famous pop star or football star or perhaps an uh, international politician of, of real renown, you know, Nelson Mandela of this world and so on. Uh, what the Bible is saying here is even the really good stuff we do is just like the flowers on the grass. It looks a little better than the blades of grass. In fact, if you're into wildflowers, some of them look amazingly beautiful. But he says, it still all just gets cut down the same. I mean, if I start and ask you questions like, who, who won the 100 metres in the 1924 Olympics? It was famous. Or... I don't know, who won the grand final in 1982? It wasn't AFL in those days, it would have been the VFL or the Waffle. Who won? It was famous. And all of us sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know, I can't remember. Who knows? Whatever. Some bloke, some old guy, if he's still alive, he's really, really old now. That's exactly right. All the fame, all the glory, all of the things by which people are, they, they achieve notoriety are just also simply cut down and forgotten. Uh, famous men of history who did things that, you know, were, you know, were changed, you know, the, 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 the course of history. Well, we kind of remember a lot of them. Faraday, who remembers Faraday? <laughs> One. Two. Faraday. Electricity? No? Don't remember Faraday? Oh, poor old Faraday's also forgotten. I didn't realise that. Um, you know, Aristotle. Who remembers Aristotle? Five. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Even really famous people, all the glory that they achieved is, 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 is like flowers. It's better looking than grass, but it also just dies away. I mean, there's nothing sadder, is there, than looking at your roses in your front garden or something or other, and when they look beautiful in autumn or spring, whatever it is they look beautiful in, and you, you go out there, and we used to have um, roses years ago, you go out there, and they look really beautiful, maybe lovely scent and perfume and what have you, maybe a pink colour or a yellow colour, and of course, uh, uh, a couple of weeks later, it's a really sad thing to go out there, and they're all kind of all shriveledy up and brown, and he says, that's like people... They get all shriveledy up and brown. All the stuff they're famous for just shrivels up. It's a bit sad, isn't it? He says, all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And what this is trying to teach us is that if you can uh, get locked into what God's word says, you've got an opportunity to live forever and ever and ever and not just perish and that's the wonderful message of the new testament that god wants you to live forever he wants you to be with him in his family for eternity uh, he wants you to be there as it were uh, seated around him 
in the age to come. The Bible says we'll all be gathered around the throne. The Bible talks about how he'll come and he'll wipe away all tears and all sorrow. He says there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. The former things are all passed away. Behold, I make all things new. In another place he says that we're going to live forever and ever, even forever and ever. And all the people said, it says we get a new body. Some people say, oh, that's all good and well. What are you going to do? Take this old crummy body with you? Maybe get to be like 91 in an old people's home or something or other and all shriveled up and you get to go to heaven and you arrive in heaven and there you are, a shriveled up old 91-year-old. That doesn't sound much good. But the Bible actually says, wrong. You get a new body. It says we get a body like Jesus Christ's body. It says flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. You don't take the flesh and blood body with you. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus comes back, he's going to transform this body into an eternal body. Now, Jesus Christ, of course, when he was raised from the dead, he was able to shapeshift, wasn't he? Is that the right expression they use these days? He was able to change form. He could just appear in the middle of a room of people and he could change what he looked like a little bit. He could just walk alongside a couple of guys on the road to Emmaus there, sit down with them. He looked a little bit different. He was able to change that somehow. And yet they looked at his hands and he still had the marks in his hands of the nail prints and in his sides. Uh, he was able to change in some way. It says their eyes were, uh, they, they, they were withheld, that they couldn't identify him, they couldn't recognize him. You're going to get a body like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's body, uh, one minute he's over at Emmaus, some miles away from Jerusalem, and when the other guys run back to the Jerusalem there, it says that Jesus just simply appears in the middle of a locked room. And then it says he can disappear. It then says on another occasion that he just simply went up into the air. Nothing supporting him. He just physically just went up. It was kind of like the final, see you later, guys. I'm off for a while. And it says that he, as he went up, it says finally he reached where the clouds are. And it says that's when they could no longer see him at the clouds. I mean, what are clouds? 8,000 feet, 10,000 feet, whatever. Um, we get a new body when Jesus comes back. Let's go over to the Gospel of John. Back to the Gospel of John. Is it a little warm in here or is it my imagination? <laughs> Feels kind of warm, but whatever. Uh, back to the Gospel of John. Um, and down in, in chapter 10. John's Gospel, chapter 10. Uh, verse 10 here. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole story. It's, it's quite a long story. But uh, Jesus says here, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And the sheep in this story are the, the people who will become Christians, the people who want to follow God. So he says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. I'm prepared to sacrifice myself so that the sheep continue to live on. He says, so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, the life he's talking about here is undoubtedly eternal life. There's no question about that. That's where God lives. He just lives in eternity. Uh, you know, there's no stopwatches there. There's no clocks there. You don't need them. You just are there. Uh, there's no time passing in that sense. And Jesus says here, I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give it to you more abundantly. 
What he's explaining is that he wants to give us an abundant life on earth as well as eternal life in the age to come. And it almost seems like a deal that's too good to be true because he's going to give me a really great life here and he's going to give me everlasting life later. But elsewhere, Jesus explains that you've got to be prepared to lay down your own life now. You've got to decide that your life now isn't worth the eternal life that you want with the Lord. Jesus said, unless you lose your life, you cannot find life. He says, if you love your life in this world, you cannot have everlasting life. He made it very clear that it's one or the other. A little further down in the same chapter, and I'm just picking a few verses out here, I hope you don't mind. In uh, verse 27, we read, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And Jesus explains here that the people that are going to find him, he says they, they just in, seem, sense that he's correct, that they, they hear his voice, they listen to what he says. When the words of Jesus Christ are read out, it just clicks. And there's a thing of, that's right, that is exactly right. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen in this world. And what do I have to do? Well, he says, and I'm going to give you, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And um, it's funny because as human beings, we don't sort of, you know, all get to 70 years of age and just drop dead or 80 years of age and all just drop dead. What happens is we perish. We slowly perish like a, a bicycle tire in your shed or something rather you haven't used for a while. It perishes slowly. Uh, corrodes, it corrupts, it gets old, it starts to wear out. And the human body, they tell us, the scientists tell us, that from about 21 years of age, uh, you're growing until 21 or so, and after 21, you're just perishing. And all the people said. And it's, feel, and it's very slow, little things, you know, you can't run as fast, can't jump as high. In fact, these days I sort of hold the fence and I think, will I or won't I? <laughs> and then I walk up to where the gate is. You know, and that's exactly what the Bible's saying here. Or you human beings are going to perish. You're wearing out. You're getting older. He says, but where I am, he says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. They're never going to wear out. The new body the Bible speaks of is one that is going to continue forever and ever and ever. Uh, neither can any man pluck them out of my hand. In other words, once you find the Lord, nothing in this world can actually drag you out of God's hand. You, do, you can jump out, but would you be so silly? Uh, but nothing can actually drag you out. You're in, you're safe, you're home. It's like you've reached the safe spot. You know on the Ludo board when you play Ludo? Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, you kind of go around the board and everyone jumps on you and sends you back and jumps on you and sends you back. Uh, my kids loved doing that to me when I was younger. Just love, they'll gang up on me and jump on me and then send me back to the beginning. But there's a section of the board you get to where all of a sudden you're safe. Nobody can jump on you anymore. And he says, that's what's going to happen here. Neither can any man pluck you out of my hand. Praise the Lord. Again, a little further down there, we're going to read in verse uh, chapter 11 across the page. And verse 25, chapter 11, verse 25. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? 
And uh, I just love that. I just so, so love that. Um, I mean, it, it, don't get me wrong. There's a little bit of a, uh, a process that's got to take place in the meantime. There's a bit of a step or two between hearing the story of Jesus Christ and knowing that you're going to live forever and ever and ever. And the Bible explains those steps as repenting from your life of sin, getting baptized in water as the sign that you want to bury your old life and get the everlasting life from the Lord. And most importantly, receiving God's Holy Spirit. That's that experience when you all of a sudden you speak in other tongues. And uh, Jesus then says, whoever lives in me, in other words, receives the Holy Spirit and believes in me, in other words, continues on in the Lord for the rest of their days, shall never die. I just love that. We're never, ever going to die. And all the people said. Um, you know, the, don't get me wrong. I mean, your, your body may die, you, quite obviously. Uh, and uh, I'm sure at your funeral, people will be crying and saying some, you know, nice things about you. I mean, you ever noticed at funerals, everyone says all nice things about you? It's lovely, isn't it? You know, I wish I could be at my own funeral. Um, but that's because they're not quite sure how to handle death. They're not quite sure what comes next. They're not quite sure what's going on. They're trying to find some mechanism or two to just uh, calm everybody down, to give everybody a sense of consolation. Uh, the only consolation is if you genuinely find Jesus Christ, if you are genuinely filled with God's Holy Spirit. That alone is going to rescue you. And Jesus says here, Whoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now my body may die as will yours, no doubt, or possibly, but uh, the scriptures explain here that the moment that your body dies, your soul then simply goes to sleep in Christ. And it says it stays asleep in Christ until Jesus comes back. When Jesus comes back, your sleeping soul gets raised up in a completely new body. I mean, if you're asleep, you're not dead, are you? You know, if you're asleep, you're just, you're just asleep, you're out to it. And it's exactly the same in the Lord. When you fall asleep in the Lord, you remain asleep till Jesus comes back. No one goes there first. No one goes to heaven first. It says we all have to wait while we're sleeping until Jesus comes back. When he comes back, it says that in that moment, it says that he'll raise us up. And we'll read that over in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. And to chapter 4. Verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's why people say a whole lot of nice stuff at your funeral or maybe some, some dreadful uncle that was an absolute rat bag, you know, drunken and a wife beater and all the rest of it. And everyone just stands there and lies their face off about what a lovely bloke he was. It's appalling. And the minister stands there saying, and he's now in heaven looking down on us. It's just appalling. Tell the truth. The guy was a villain and a scoundrel. I hope God has mercy on him. But according to scripture, he needed to do something about it. Repent and be baptized and be filled with the spirit. Uh, he says, I would not have you to be without hope. I would not have you to be in sorrow, even as others which have no hope. He says, if we don't have the Lord, if we haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, those people have no hope. They do not have a hope. There's nothing they can cling on to. And he says, for you who are filled with the Spirit, if someone passes away and falls asleep in the Lord, your job is to not be like them. Your job is to be the opposite to them. The Bible says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Give thanks for all things. 
Our job is to give thanks in the Lord. He goes on and he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And uh, Paul instructs us here that, why, the, 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 and he clarifies for us the process so that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back through the clouds. It says the dead in Christ will rise first, and that's going to be an amazing thing to watch. Then it says at the same time, you and I, if we're alive, will be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, you know, in life, sometimes you have disappointments when perhaps one of your family members goes away or goes into state or something or other. You might feel a bit crushed by it. Um, but it's great when they get back together again, isn't it? And, you know, the family's all together and uh, it's just such a good feeling. And he says, well, imagine what it's like where not just your family, but the whole of Christianity that has walked on in the Lord is raised up to meet the Lord in the air together. He says that's going to be an amazing experience. Over to 1 John chapter 2, just to finish up on. Oh, actually, before... No, we might leave that one. Acts chapter 2, just to finish up on. One that I quite like. Acts chapter 2. Very famous passage in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they, they were pricked in their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we need to do to prepare ourselves for everlasting life? To find the Lord. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptised, and the, the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so 3,000 people got baptised that day. Uh, but the principle is that if you want to find the Lord, if you want to follow the Lord, you need to repent, be baptised, and God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. You'll know all about it. As I say, you'll speak in other tongues and your life will change completely. Don't spend your hundred grand on getting yourself frozen or, or the cut price deal of 70 grand for just a head or go and do it the Russian way for 20 grand. Get yourself baptised and filled with the Holy Ghost. Live forever and ever and ever. And all the people said. Amen.